You are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 173. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and you should too. Well, hello everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people, and that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, a fiduciary, a certified wealth advisor, an educator, and a Dave Ramsey Smartvester Pro. It's great to be with you today. Today's episode is Do Not Let Your Investments Drift Away. But before we get to the topic of the day, I have a few things I want to discuss. Number one, if you're new to Best in Wealth, welcome. Number two, if you've been listening to Best in Wealth for a while, please do me the biggest favor. Go to your iTunes Purple Podcast app and leave Best in Wealth a review. Thank you in advance for doing that. And number three, did you know, you might know if you're a longtime listener, that when I was 21, me and three buddies drove to Alaska from Wisconsin to find a job on fishing boats to make the big bucks in the summer. A lot of you have heard of that. Get on the big boats in Alaska, work the fish, and make tons and tons of money. Well, in 1991, me and three buddies did just that. We got in a little chevette, Me, three other guys, car top carrier, the radio didn't even work. Our triptych was about 96 hours driving time to get there, and away we went. I was not an investment advisor at that time. In fact, I was not investing money, period, because I didn't have any. I was in debt by $500 because my dad loaned me $500 to get there. It was the only summer. In every summer in college and high school and even some in grade school that I didn't work construction for my dad. That particular summer, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to make the big box. Well, at 21, I wasn't a planner either like I am now. If I would have been a planner, me and my buddies would have got that job ahead of time. They would have flown us to Alaska We already would have had the job. We would have worked on the boats or in the processing plants until the salmon or whatever were done running and they'd fly us back. But no, we decided on a whim to drive up there without jobs. We did get a job. It took us about a week. We interviewed with different fish processing plants and we finally got that job. We camped all the way up. I was sick and tired of camping because I don't really like sleeping in a tent. So we got the job and we had heard that when you get a job at some of these fish processing plants, because they depend on people from all over the United States and all over the world to help while the fish are running in the summer. So we had heard we're going to get set up in some kind of dormitory, college dormitory type of setting. And after we got done interviewing, I saw the living quarters 
And I asked the guy who I interviewed with, now where's my key to my dorm? And he started laughing. And he said, your dorm is that way. And he pointed to the woods. So me and my buddies walk off into the woods. We don't see anything. We walk a little further and we see no less than 300 tents of all the idiots like us that didn't get jobs ahead of time. And now we don't have a place to live. So there we were for three and a half months living in Tent City. That was tough. I'm telling you, no air mattress. Three and a half months, no bed to sleep in, no couch to sit on, no stove to cook on. Crazy. Not the kind of summer I envisioned. But you know what? That was probably really good for me. I understood what real work was. But here was the other little minor problem is it's not like there was showers out in Tent City. Now, when you walked out of Tent City back to the fish processing plant in the men's bathroom, they had this one big shower with three different shower heads. So you could take a shower, but let me tell you, you got done showering there. It didn't really feel like you took a shower. So there wasn't a great place for me to shave either. So I decided for three and a half months, not to cut my hair, and not to shave. And let me tell you something. I'm not a great looking guy to begin with, but whoa, I do not look good in long hair, and I do not look good in a beard. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Do not let your investments drift away. Now, I'm going to tie back in that little Alaska story at the end of the episode, or at least I'm going to try to. And if I can't, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, or at least I wasn't when I was 21. I'm a little bit smarter now. So back to the topic. And I chose this topic. And don't turn off this podcast right now because this one's going to be just a tiny bit technical. Sometimes I get fluffy with goals and retirement ideas, and sometimes I get a little technical. And I'm going to get a little technical, but you need to hear me out because a lot of people think there's basically, as a family steward, two different ways to invest in mutual funds and exchange-traded funds either in actively managed mutual funds or in index fund. Now, many years ago, when, after I got my bachelor's, and I went back to school at Xavier University to sit for my CFP examination. I took all kinds of classes on investing, learning all about the dividend discount model and you know, bottom-up, top-down economics, all that business to figure out how to buy stocks that are undervalued or sell stocks that are overvalued. And after all of that learning, I realized that active management, the traditional way, the way things were always done and are still done today, are probably not the right thing for a family steward. Someone who is in charge of setting their family up for the greatest chance for success now and into the future. It probably wasn't great because When I look at the Center for Research on Security Prices located right down the street from Milwaukee at the University of Chicago, I see that even the really smartest or the smartest people that are getting paid millions of dollars to try and pick stocks, well, after expenses, they don't do great. I look at a lot of different 15-year periods and I see that 
only about 20 to 25 percent in any given 15 year period actually beat the market. And it gets worse if I push that out over 15 years. Traditional active management wasn't for me. So I turned to index fund. And if you're familiar with an index fund, all an index fund does is replicate an index. An index is not an investment. An index, for example, is the S&P 500. That's not an investment. There's no cost related to it. It simply is a benchmark to use when you're comparing investments. The S&P 500 index, and S&P has several indexes. The 500 index looks at the performance of the largest 500 companies. Russell is another company that builds indexes. Again, not an investment. The Russell 2000 tries looking at the performance of all the small companies, those companies in the lowest 10% of market cap. That's an index. People who invest in index funds, they have to pay an expense ratio and there's tracking error. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. So the return of an index fund is not the same of an index because you have to pay the expenses and there is tracking error. So let's take another step back before we take two steps forward. If you're looking at your 401k or you're hiring Fortress Planning Group to build a portfolio, we want to be in every major asset class. So we want to build, we want large companies that are growth oriented, large companies that are value, small that are growth, small that are value. Same thing in developed countries, same thing in emerging companies. We want some real estate and we want to get everything out of these asset classes as we can. So that's why I don't like actively managed funds because if they're performing worse than the index, well, now I'm not doing the best job for my family. I want to capture that asset class. So is an index fund able to capture the asset class, everything that the asset class has to offer? And I specifically want to look at today the small value asset class. Small value has been on a tear for the past, let's just say, nine months. So if small value is on a tear, I want to capture everything that small value has to offer. I want it all. So now let's talk about an index in the Russell 2000. And let's talk about companies like AMC, the movie theater company, and GameStop all over the news. Those two companies right now are priced squarely in the large cap growth space and yet represented almost 2% of the Russell 2000 value index as of May 31st, 2021. I'm going to explain in a second how that can be, but how can that be? I mean, on a scale of size discrepancy, this is the same as seven foot six inch former NBA star Yao Ming visiting a kindergarten class and trying to pass off as a kindergartner. However, investors in strategies tracking the Russell 2000 value index may be surprised to learn the list of holdings 
inconsistent with the index's definition goes much deeper, an outcome of the style drift potentially occurring with most index-based approaches due to infrequent rebalancing. That was a mouthful. I get it. Let's unpack it. Let's remember what the Russell 2000 index is. At the end of June, every year, the Russell goes through what's called an annual reconstitution. Because on June 30th, 2020, there were companies that no longer fit the style box of small value in the Russell 2000. So Russell, who's just an index, needs to kick certain companies out and bring certain companies in. This is called reconstitution. So last June 30th, was reconstitution day for the Russell 2000 value. But here's the issue with this. The reconstitution only happens once per year with the Russell 2000 value. So think about it for a second. Since June 30th, 2020 to June 30th, 2021, which was yesterday, a lot of things have happened. Companies got too big for the index. Companies got too small for the index. Companies turned from value to growth, so they no longer belonged in the Russell 2000 value index. Companies turned into microcap, they got too small. Companies moved from micro to small, they should go into that Russell. And other companies moved from growth to value throughout the year. As of May 31st, 2021, nearly 16% of the index's weight of the Russell 2000 value was accounted for by stocks that didn't belong there. They belonged in the large cap space. And GameStop is not the only growth name that still existed in the index. There were many others. That's a problem. If your goal is small value and you want small value, yet you bought a small value index fund, that is now drifting away from where its original intention is, that is a big problem because now you're not capturing everything value has to offer. What's great about index funds is very low cost and they beat a lot of the actively managed mutual funds, but we got to be honest as family stewards. We have to be honest because there are technical things about indexes that don't work very well. Given the choice of those two, I would say go index. But if you listen to me long enough, you know that I like companies such as Dimensional Funds Advisors, DFA. Why? Because they work differently. They start from the same premise, which is it's really hard to beat the market. So let's buy the market. Let's buy as many companies as possible. And they have a small value fund. And by the way, this is not an endorsement. This is not an investment recommendation because everybody's situation is different. So I'm not recommending DFA or any other company. I'm just merely talking about the differences. But what DFA does is takes this reconstitution and turns it into something that we can work with. And this is how DFA is different. Instead of this reconstitution once a year, DFA 
and other companies like DFA are reconstituting as often as possible. Because when you don't, it's kind of like, I don't know, brushing your teeth once a year for 24 hours straight instead of brushing your teeth twice a day for two minutes. There's a big difference. It'll be a big problem if you brush your teeth straight for 24 hours and then don't do it for the rest of the year. (laughs) You know that's a problem. That's the same problem that an index, a straight index fund has. A straight index fund is only brushing the teeth once a year for 24 straight hours. A DFA index-like fund brushing the teeth twice a day for two minutes. Meaning, if a company like GameStop moves from small value to large growth, well, we can get rid of it. We don't have to keep it. It's no longer small value. We want small value. That's not small value. Let's get rid of it instead of waiting until the one reconstitution day. You see, index funds are extremely rigid. But if you cut your lawn once a week instead of once a year, things are going to look a whole lot better. Research tells us that performance of small cap value tends to be delivered by just a small subset of the asset class, just a few companies sometimes, and can show up in bunches. We don't know when they're going to show up. Both insights are relevant for style drift. So when we're doing infrequent rebalancing, like that reconstitution, it can reduce the likelihood that we're going to be holding the right companies at the right time when the premium comes in. And let me tell you something, the premium has been coming in. The fix is daily portfolio management. It doesn't add a lot to the expense ratio, but that's how DFA and other companies differentiate from a traditional index fund. I mean, when I look at one simple fund, the Russell 2000 value, year-to-date, ending May 31st, 2021, Russell 2000 value up 27.47%, which is awesome. The DFA, small value, up 35.35%. In part, and I don't have time to get into other reasons, but in part because of this daily portfolio management. And I'm not talking about rebalancing every single day, because every single day, the cost of trading could be expensive. I'm talking about engineer type people at a trading desk with their CFAs looking out at the portfolio, trying to brush the teeth, seeing what's out there, what needs to be bought, what needs to be sold, looking at the bid-ask spread and only executing if that bid-ask spread is really low. Bid-ask spread is something for another day. But if we can rebalance portfolios incrementally throughout time, Keeping the fund focused on the target asset allocation, and in this example, small value. We, as family stewards, will be in the best position to capture exactly what the market has to offer. You probably already figured out my punchline. 
Let's get back to Alaska for a second. I did not cut my hair for three and a half months. I did not shave for three and a half months. Things were looking ugly. There were several hairs out of place, no doubt. But if you think about it for a second, that's what's happening inside of your index fund, especially in times of great disparity of returns in the big up and the big down. Because there are several index funds that needed haircuts way more frequently than once a year. Because I look at myself and I went three and a half months and things were out of control. I'm not saying that every year period, things are out of control in an index fund, but in a lot of years, they do come into areas that they shouldn't. And the example that I gave you during this podcast is the Russell 2000 value as of May 31st was out of whack by almost 20%. That has a big effect or can potentially on your return. And the example with DFA was just that, a huge difference. 27.47% for the index, 3535 for the fund. Again, this isn't me telling you to go to run out and go buy DFA small value because I don't know what your particular situation is. So I'm giving you no investment recommendation, just an example of how returns can be different. If you have questions, if you want to talk about this, email me, scott at bestandwealth.com. We'll have a discussion around the best way for a family steward to invest. But this is all the time I have right now. So I need to leave, but I will see you on a flip side. Bye-bye, everybody. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.